0: Welcome to Team Luke from Podcast. On this show, our mission is to help families just like yours. We'll bring you inspiring stories from brain injury survivors, advice from health professionals, and much more to help make the recovery journey a little easier. If you or anyone you
1: know has a, suffered from a brain injury, this show is for you. Hey everyone, I'm Jared Samuels.
2: And I am Julia Wiesio.
1: And welcome to another episode of the Team Lucco for Minds podcast. Uh, today, we are interviewing Rhonda Johnson, who's the Director of Family Services. So welcome, Rhonda. Thank you so much. All right. Um, so first off, like, tell us your story. Um, how did you get into this? And
0: okay, back in 2008, um, a boy named J.D. was in a non-fatal drowning accident um, in my neighborhood. Um, and i didn't know the family at the time but i just kept feeling called to do something for that family and get a hold of that family and just kind of level them and i knew that jd and his mom were in dallas um, in his rehab doing rehab and they had three other daughters who you know were at home without their mom so i just kept feeling called to do that so i started <laughs> utilizing other friends to get in front of that dad so I could say hey could I pick up your kids at school because the girls can we could go to Sonic and get a slush make cookies and do things that are kind of motherly um, that's what I started doing um, for that family and then their friends um, were doing fundraisers for them and they were calling it hope for JD fundraising you know they would do different things like a golf tournament and um, fun little family fun thing at um, at the Circle C Child Development Center here in Circle C. So I just became involved in those things. So, and then I think he, the dad, came to realize that maybe I was kind of good at that, you know? So, and I kept wanting to do more and help. So in 2011, he approached me and said, I really want to start a nonprofit. I want it to be called Hope for JD. I don't be involved. I found board members. I found someone who will donate money um, and help us stay afloat for a couple of years. And I was working at the time. So he matched my salary. Um, <clears throat> so I prayed a lot about it and decided that I would see what happened. So um, that's what we did. So we called Hope for JD and it was just for families that had a child that had suffered a non-fatal drowning. That was our focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2015, we changed the name to Hope for Minds, um, and we, we changed the mission so we could help other, more children that were in other types of accidents. I um, mean, we, we changed, JD was, you know, juvenile diabetes. I mean, there was some confusion with the name, so it was good to get Hope for, for Minds, and then people kind of knew a little bit more about what we were doing and our mission to enrich the lives of children with a brain injury and give um, hope and support to their family and um, through support and education. So, we um, that was that's kind of my story um, of why I got involved.
1: Yeah. What was it like running, I guess, Hope for JD for those four to five years, including Hope for Moniz? Honest,
0: It was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only person, you know, that was on, you know, that was on salary. And we had a board, but the board, we really didn't know anything about brain injuries, any of us. Mm. So we were all learning and trying to figure things out. And I was doing all aspects of, you know, trying to raise money and talk, you know dealing with the parents, trying to find ways to to get to families and reach the hospitals and the social workers and the child. You know, so it was. I was about at um, the end of my rope when I met. Um, Tim and we decided to merge so Mm. it was it was getting to be a little way too much actually yeah just
1: kind of learning everything on the fly (laughs) it sounds like
0: yes and I'm not um I don't like asking for money so that was my my weakest point and um I really just want people just to hear the mission and want to give so Mm -hmm. we were having events it was easier because I would say you know You can get this if you give us money. So if if I could give someone something, then it felt better than just asking. Mm -hmm. So you have to do both. So I was (laughs) exhausted doing event after event after event and then still trying to figure out how to connect with families and have that time to really nurture those relationships. So Mm -hmm.
2: I'd love to hear a little bit more about also how you met Tim and perhaps what that decision process looked like a little bit in creating what is now Team Luke Hope for Minds.
0: Yes, so I had been in touch with his wife Jenny on numerous occasions because of Luke's accident. So just reaching out and just asking if I could support them in any way and you know what was going on and she was always so kind and she never asked for anything but she would, you know, take my calls and one day, um, I don't remember exactly when it was. It was in the summer, I guess, of 2017. She um, said, you know what? My husband is starting a foundation. Maybe you should talk to him. Maybe we could give y'all money. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, okay, what? You know, that's, what if he's going to do the same thing I'm doing? You know, it's, you know what's going to happen? So I, um, he called me. And I told him, you know, what what I was doing and about our brochure and our application and all the things that we had already built and our support groups and everything. Um, and he was like, oh my gosh. So I, can I come to Austin tomorrow? I mean, so like he got his- <laughs> all the way to Austin and oh, wow. um, he had not heard about us. Jenny had not said anything to him um, about us. So he didn't know anything. So we met at Waterloo Ice House on 360. And by the end of our meeting, he we were just sad that we needed to merge and we needed to do this together because his strengths were my weaknesses. So and he feels like my strengths, you know, are his weaknesses. So it just felt like this is right. So we um, he doesn't mind asking for money. He um, you know, was a Texas tech tennis coach and he had to do his own fundraising. So he had he has lots of um, uh, time that he has spent doing that. So, and of course, it being his son, um, he has you know that passion as well to get out there and, and help others because he knows exactly what it was like for him and what it still is like for him. So, and he loved our brochure and our application, and those are things that he didn't have. So he, we um, went back to our boards and we said. This is what we have found, and his board was probably like, "What?" because they just, you know, had started
1: mm-hmm. in
0: 2017. So they were like, "What are we doing?" But so he told me to come to Lubbock, so I did. And we, I met the board, and they were super sweet and super excited about the opportunity to merge the two organizations.
2: So, so I know you touched on it a little bit. I first of all, I wanted to say that is such a great story. I just love mm-hmm. how paths cross in that way and everything, but could you talk a little bit more about how you two complement each other and kind of what strengths you feel that you both bring to the organization that you feel like will help it grow in the future?
0: Um, I, I mean, of course, I, I told you that he he had that fundraising of kind of um, ability to, to do that, and, I, and I'm good at doing events, and he actually is good at that as well, and he has a mind for that. Um, on the He's not a computer person. He doesn't do anything, um, you know, when it comes to QuickBooks and the accounting part or um, any kind of paperwork kind of stuff. He's just more of the big picture guy and I'm in the details. So um, he loves obviously talking to parents because he is a parent of a child with a brain injury. So he does like to make those calls, but I'm the one that goes through the application and you know, get make sure the money gets to the right place for the family. And, and I walk through, you know, I just maintain that relationship through the years and um, do the support groups. And um, so that's kind of how we have managed to work together so well.
1: Can you talk about, you know, you've mentioned a few times sort of offhand, but what your role is and what you do as director of family services.
0: Yes. So, My main role, I mean, if I start at the beginning, I think it would be the connections with the hospitals and the rehab centers. So getting those connections to social workers and child life specialists, because they are my first communication, usually with families. As we're growing and people know more about us, it doesn't always have to go through that. Um, People seem to, to kind of know about us from other avenues as well, which is, Obviously, what we hope for, um, but I do maintain those relationships, and I mail care packages to them so they can give them out, um, you know, to families that they know. Um, so that's the beginning. Then, of course, I usually am the first person to communicate with most of the families, so um, and then let them know how we can help them, and encourage, and support, and just kind of love on them at that time, and then just. Like I said, kind of maintain that relationship through the years um, and make sure that because it just doesn't end, you know, I I don't want it to end after we write the check for whatever they've asked for. I want to maintain that relationship with them and, and kind of help them through because it's not going to be just like, oh, okay, everything's better. Yeah. Marathon and the process. I want to be there for the, the whole thing. So mm-hmm. that's
1: my job. Can you talk about what it's like going in there and meeting a new family for the first time?
0: Yes. I do a lot of praying before I walk in to meet a family because I don't know where they are. I don't know how they'll respond to me. I don't, you know, because sometimes it's just, you know, everyone handles things differently. So I just try to be very encouraging and let them know that we're here to help. And if they don't want our help at that time, that's totally fine. I'm just here to, to say we're here for you. Um, if you want us to do, you know, to be helpful for you. So sometimes it goes well and I leave feeling really good. And you know, there's an occasion where I'm like, oh, they weren't ready to talk to me because sometimes that is what happens. And and most of the social workers that tell me about families and invite me to come and they wait until they feel like the family is ready to meet me. Um, So usually it goes really well. Mm -hmm. Does that answer the question?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Phenomenally, actually. I was gonna ask too, I mean, I'm sure in a lot of cases it is a very rewarding experience to work with these families and to see them grow and just see their progress over time, but what do you believe is perhaps the most rewarding part for you as Director of Family Services? I
0: think for me, just being able, I mean, the most highlight is being able to say, we're going to be able to help you, you know, with whatever it is they're wanting to do for their child, because it is like a, a weight being lifted off of them. So, and they can't believe that someone can help them. So that's always such a good feeling. And then of course, anytime any family gives me any, you know, compliment or thank you for helping me. I mean, obviously that's going to be when I go, okay. This is all worth it, you know, um, this, I am making a difference. And that's what we all want to do. Life is make a difference. So that's the most rewarding time.
2: And as you know, we are going through a very odd time in the world right now with this pandemic going on. So I wanted to ask how that's perhaps shaped your role with Team Luke Hope for Minds and perhaps even shaped the mission of the organization and what it can do for these families in need?
0: Yes, um, I would, there's a lot of obviously hard times going on with with people and everything, but for me, the silver lining of this has been our virtual support groups. Um, as you know, we help families all over the United States, but our support groups are only in Austin, Fort Worth, Lubbock. We were about to start it in San Antonio, and then um, in Arkansas so uh, we didn't we weren't able to do that because of um, all that's happened in this in our world but the silver lining is we are having those support groups twice a week we have a focus group where I bring in someone who presents that's been really helpful um, because they're learning about something maybe they didn't know about or they wanted to learn more about um, and then we have our open forum groups where we're just kind of just talking and supporting each other and finding out what's going on and Um, it's a pretty emotional can be an emotional time but it's what parents need they need to be able to kind of just let that go Um, but anyway so that's been so wonderful and I will continue to do that maybe not twice a week but we will continue those so we can just help out others because we the other night we had like three It was like three different states that we were covering so that just is awesome that we're able to I'm able to see these people that we've helped and in California and Florida and North Carolina and you know just, it was just really cool.
2: I was actually wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about how they can get involved with these support groups if they're interested and where to go for that resource.
0: Sure, on our website under Get Support, it has has support groups and it has the link to our sign up genius page that lists all of the topics and the um, how to sign up and then. Once they sign up the day of, I send them the link to join us on Google chat. And um, so that's the way they can sign up.
1: It must be cool to see this. Yeah. Like you said, all over the country Mm -hmm. when you just started in Austin and Lubbock and it's everywhere. That's pretty cool.
0: It is really neat. And there's a couple of Facebook groups that have a lot lot of families on there that um, we have, one good real good relationship with someone who's one of the people that has started that group. So when she posts on that, it's, it's amazing too because it's people that we don't even know um, mm-hmm. that we're able to touch and then have that relationship with. So that's been great too.
1: Awesome. Well, there's a the last question we ask everyone and uh, particularly curious about your answer since you've seen so many families. What are your top three recommendations for like a family that's going through this situation?
0: I would say let others help you would be one of them because people want to help you. And I think so many of us are like, I got this, I'll do it. I can handle it. I don't need to ask for help. I don't want to ask for help because it's not in their personality to ask for help, but it's okay to ask for help. And you need to ask for help because you have to take care of yourself and If you're trying to do everything for everyone and you're not taking care of yourself and then you're really not doing a good job taking care of anyone if you're not full yourself. Um, So that's one. And then I would say join, you know, these Facebook groups and go to support groups and try to lean on those people that are going through the same thing and learning from them instead of trying to make up every single thing you're doing and research and, people have already been down this road and they can help you so you know ask for their help and, and utilize another the third one i guess would be utilize all resources that are available so if you know something's out there there's a nonprofit besides us that could help reach out to them find out what other resources are there and just try to tap into everything that's available to you
2: so that would be my three
1: awesome Do you have anything else,
2: Julia? Um, You mentioned earlier, too, a little bit about being prepared as a family to receive help and that receiving help is a big part of that process in terms of healing and finding recovery and such. So what do you think are some characteristics of someone who is perhaps ready to receive help and what could bring them to that point?
0: Um trying to think of how to state that. Um, I feel like, I don't, I don't, I, I, what I don't want is the family to become like in a desperate state where they just are about to lose their minds and it's affecting all of the children in the home and their relationship um, with their spouse and everything. So to me, it's like, don't go down that road where you're exhausting all of your relationships you know, get help, go to counseling. I mean, and maybe that's like number one for me and that I didn't mention is that every, you might think you don't need counseling or you don't have time to go to counseling, but you do need counseling. You need marriage counseling. You, your children all need to go to counseling. Even though they won't want to go, they do need to go because I've seen several, I mean, you those siblings will go one way or they'll go the other And it's if they go the wrong way, it can be, you know, life changing in a very difficult way um, because they need your attention, too. And if they're not getting that, they're either going to find it within themselves and get stronger um, or they're going to reach out to other people and try to get attention in the wrong way. So that would probably be my I don't know if I answered your question, but it made me think of that because I do think it's super important to to lean on some, a therapist who really knows what they're talking about instead of your friend next door.
2: So, I think be. that's, I love how you worded that, actually. I think that's all incredibly important to keep in mind, and just, you know, as someone who's in a family with someone with a TBI and such, um, it's definitely tough to know when you need help and to be able to ask for help. But those are some great signs, I think, for maybe some of our listeners that aren't quite at that point or maybe at the very early stages of being ready to reach out and ask for help. So I think what you said would really empower a lot of people to take action and perhaps make those changes that they need in their lifestyle right now. Okay.
0: Thank
1: you. Yeah. You're the first person I think that's mentioned like the whole family. And how each member needs to
0: yes.
1: go about their business.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, for
1: sure. Everyone's just focused on the patient, which is mm-hmm. obviously the priority, but it's good to right. have a bigger picture too. Yeah.
2: The ecosystem up. <laughs> <laughs> for
0: sure. Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Sorry it took so
2: long to get me. to. Uh, to- <laughs> no worries. It was so great having you.
0: Well, thanks. I hope
1: y'all have a great
2: weekend. You too. You too. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website, teamlukehopeforminds.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. See y'all next time.